episode nine. Got another guest in the building with me, childhood friend. And today we are going to talk about Michael Jordan. I want this whole episode to be about Michael Jordan. And I wanted to bring this guy in because I feel like he is uh, one of the biggest Michael Jordan fans that I know personally. Like, this guy moved to Clinton, Kentucky. I want to say, I think he was in, what, maybe third grade, I believe, from North Carolina. So nobody else can speak on Michael Jordan other than this guy. So introduce the world to Ryan. Say hello to the world, Gobby. Hello, hello, hello. Appreciate you coming in, man. How's everything going? Appreciate you having me. Oh, like I said, I, I wanted to have you on here because, again, I remember y'all moving like I said, I correct me if I'm wrong, it was third grade, right? Yeah, third grade. Third grade. And I'm going to tell you how, how crazy this is. And please, please don't think I'm a lunatic after I say this. So, of course, everybody knows that I am a shoe fanatic. I remember you moving to Clinton in the third grade, and you had on the Jordan black and red playoff eights. That's how I remembered you. That's how I remembered you. And we are in our 30s, dude, and I still remember that. Yeah, no, I remember those too. I don't love the shoes like you do, but they had the straps on the front. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So real quick before we dive into these uh topics, give us a little background of North Carolina, how you became a Jordan fan. And not only a Jordan fan, you are a Tar Heel fan. Die hard. I am a Tar Heel fan. Die North Carolina. So this is gonna be perfect. And I was like, it's nobody better than Gabby to have this conversation with. So talk to me. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in North Carolina, and then we actually moved to Memphis before we moved to Kentucky. Okay. And when we were living in Memphis, that was like right, dur- right during the first repeat of the Bulls. So mm-hmm. they were on TV all the time. Memphis didn't have any local teams. All I know is Michael Jordan from North Carolina. <laughs> Like, hell, I'm from North Carolina, too. Me and Michael Jordan are the same. <laughs> See, look, we're still the same. Yeah, you definitely got the bald head. Definitely. So, no, I mean, uh, so I just I gravitated towards Jordan. Out of all the sports that I grew up watching, for whatever reason, I gravitated towards basketball more than more than football or baseball or, or anything else. And uh, I, I got hooked. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, we were living in Memphis, and uh, the Bulls were doing an exhibition tour. Mm-hmm. This was in the summer of 1993. And my dad got tickets because they were coming to the Pyramid in Memphis. So okay. I, we got tickets. I was going to get to see Michael Jordan play. Because, I mean, it, back then, it's not like it was now where you can get on StubHub and you can get a ticket. You can plan a trip out. Right. You know, I mean, you couldn't just get a ticket back then. See, I don't know nothing so, about that. I didn't even go to my first basketball game till I was an adult. So I don't know nothing about none of that. But go ahead. Well, I mean, this is 93. I wasn't really uh, wasn't really buying the tickets either. But I'm just saying, like, the, the option of even going to see an exhibition game, You, I mean, we grew up in Clinton. You know, that, and like you just alluded to, <laughs> there was no teams in Memphis yet. So there, there wasn't even an option. And like I said, not to That's cut true. you off, it's like, that's why I tell people when I get into these debates sometimes about how, how can you not have a, a team that you you root for? You're a diehard fan. I'm like, we didn't have a local basketball team. So for us, I was attracted to superstars, the individual players. It was never me rooting for a particular team. 
But sometimes people don't understand that. But go ahead. But yeah, so uh, he scored tickets to see this Bulls exhibition game, and uh, two weeks before the game is when Jordan retired the first time. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So I got to see Scotty Pippen. <laughs> oh wow! See, I didn't know that. I'm glad you're on here because that's something that I didn't know. Wow, that yeah, sucks. But there's a little kid in Memphis just tears in my eyes while Michael Jordan's retiring, <laughs> crocodile tears. Wow, that's that's dope, so, man. That's but dope. Yeah, then he came back, and of course, I still loved him. And I, you and I both love basketball, but we like different things about it. You know, I, I've always liked scores. You know, I like Jordan. I like Kobe. I like Harden. I like people that get buckets. And that's and, perfect. That's perfect because we definitely going to elaborate on that and get into that. So, but before so we go down that road, better than Mike. before we go down that road, we're going to start with this conversation that they've been having in the last couple of weeks about the best college athlete, according to ESPN. And I get I it. I get it. We don't have sports right now, so people are just coming up with any and everything just to keep it entertaining, give people something to talk about. Michael Jordan being voted the best collegiate athlete. I I need somebody to explain that to me. And like, if you are following it, did you agree with it? Let me just say this. Michael Jordan ain't played basketball in 17 years. It is still carrying enough stroke that he won this tournament on popular opinion. So I'm glad you there said that. So go ahead. Go ahead. But I love Jordan to death, but you cannot say he's the greatest college basketball player ever. I, I don't think that's fair. And I'm 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 he glad you're being honest. Basketball player. And what I think would be an interesting conversation would be how would we remember his college career if he didn't play for North Carolina and he didn't play for Dean Smith? Because they played a ball control offense. I mean, they pushed the tempo. But they played a more team-oriented game. I mean, the old saying used to be the only person that can keep Jordan under 20 points is Dane Smith. Okay. And see, this is where I'm I'm counting on you to educate me because I didn't follow North Carolina basketball, of course. So I didn't know anything about the history of North Carolina, Dean Smith, Michael Jordan. What's up, Juice? Happy Juice. birthday, man. Thanks. Hey, Trey. <laughs> You're officially on the podcast now. Happy birthday. Oh, ratings don't go up now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as far as Michael Jordan at North Carolina, outside of the shot, I don't know anything that he accomplished if I didn't watch any of the documentaries. And that's only snippets, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like clips. Yeah, I mean, he's a two-time All-American, National Player of the Year. I mean, he wasn't enough slouch. And I understand but. that. But look, listen to the criteria, though. It's like, okay, players were chosen by ESPN based on their overall play as college basketball players, factoring in both regular season and NCAA tournament performance, statistical achievements, and awards. That's the criteria for who all was able to be considered in this tournament. And it was men and women. So just off of that alone, in my opinion, I'm looking at it and I'm saying like, it had to have been a popularity contest. And they're only judging this based off of the shot. It absolutely was a popularity contest. I mean, if we were doing men and women, best female player ever, best male player ever, and you got them all together, you know, I think you're going to run into 
you know, once you include the women, Shamika Holesclaw, you know, exactly. that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Where was she in? Exactly. In the, uh, before Diana Taurasi, there was Shamika Holesclaw. Exactly. But, uh, no, I mean, there, there were just too many other dominant college players, not necessarily the best pro players. And that's where Jordan always gets a bump is he was such a good pro. You know, I mean, if you look at his college career, is it more impressive than, than Lou Alcindor or Bill Walton? No. Not at all. His, like, his, his college career was not more impressive than Tyler Hansbrough's. Exactly. And, and that's where I was going with this because I'm like, for him to be voted the best college athlete, in my opinion... And again, I don't follow North Carolina basketball, but I'm like, he's not even the best Tar Heel. I might even say he might be top five, maybe. Because it's a lot of talent that went through North Carolina. Now, they may not have went on to be great professionals, but as far as college players, Tyler Hansborough, to me, had a better career in North Carolina than Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, and people sell that guy short. He's all-time leading scorer in ACC. And you know how I love people that get buckets. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. And, it, and it's like when I have this conversation with people, and that's why I wanted you on here, because I feel like me and you can sit down and have an intellectual conversation. I understand with social media, it's a lot of trolling and little jokes going back and forth. But at the same time, it's like you can't get all of your thoughts out just typing everything. Because half the time I'm typing out of anger. So my thoughts is already clouded because I'm peed off. Yeah, I can't even keep up with you when you get to type. <laughs> so it's like my mind is running a thousand miles per hour. But then I know for me personally, it's like sometimes I do joke a lot or put a lot of sarcasm into my conversation. But when I'm ready to have a real conversation, I expect the person that I'm conversing with to have a real conversation. And I feel like me and you can actually sit down and discuss it without being biased and just just have real conversation. And that's why I'm like, no, I want to talk about this. And I reached out to you. I was like, man, let me get Gabby on the line. Because who did it come down to? I think it was what? Jordan versus Bird? Jordan versus Bird. And I mean, Bird was a real good college player too. But he, you know what? He's not the second best college player of all time. And that, that whole tournament was a joke. I started to watch that, like the selection show, and then they got to Anthony Davis' four seed. And I said, what is this? Four seed? <laughs> you mean to tell me in the history of college basketball, you think Anthony Davis one of the 16 best players ever? And that's what I'm saying. Oh, off one season. And it's like, I'm looking at it now. They had Anthony Davis going up against Tyler Hansborough. And even going back to Tarasi. She was the only female to advance to the round of 32. And I was like, this is totally biased. No, take that lie back. Brianna Stewart, she made it. And I'm like, how biased is this that Shamika Holesclaw or Candace Parker doesn't even get in this conversation? Hell, even Brittany Griner. Like, how do yeah. you leave those people out if you're going to make it both men and women? It was just. Yeah, I didn't like the way they did it. But, I mean, once you put it up and it's just going to be a popular vote, that's what you're going to get. And that's where I want to take the conversation here shortly in regards to the greatest basketball player of all times because it, I honestly feel like the myth of Michael yeah, Jordan, is that's, that's what it's driven by. It's driven by the whole marketing of 
Air Jordan. And that's been pounded into our heads since we were kids. And even as adults now, it's like people are going to hang on to that until they take their last breath. And that's where I feel like it's bias. But again, we'll save that for like We'll take the gloves off here in a little bit and, and dive into all that. All right, all right, all right. I got my notes. <laughs> good, good. I hope you got them. Because it's like real quick on this college stuff still. Because I was looking at Bird's collegiate uh, career or whatever, and I, I didn't know that Larry Bird averaged 30 points. One of his best mm-hmm. seasons, he averaged 30. And I'm looking at Jordan, and I'm like, he was a 20-point scorer at North Carolina. So it's like, if you're looking at just numbers, how does he even crack that that final four? Like, Shaq averaged 28, Kareem averaged 29, and he won three championships. And that's when I was like, how do you just throw that out of the window? I thought the whole criteria was about winning. That, that to me, is kind of what it comes down to. That's why I think, you know, you look at it, it's Kareem when you're talking about the greatest college players because dude was three for three. He was the best player on his team. He was the best player in the nation three years in a row. He won three years in a row. I mean, you can't you can't do it any better than that. Exactly. So, now I think if Jordan had went to school somewhere else, do I think he could have scored 30 a game in college? Well, yeah, I'm sure he could have. He had big games at Carolina. You know, like, there was a Duke game his last year there. He had, like, 32-9-8, and eight, I think it was, or 32-9-6. and six. So, I mean, it was there. The way Carolina played, that it was a team-oriented game, and they just – Actually, the way they played under Dean Smith, you really would have liked. And that's what I was getting ready to say. I was waiting for you to finish. I was like, it's supposed to be a team game. And that's where it's like, for me, you said you like guys who get buckets. And I'm the complete opposite. Like, I, I want the guy that's going to contribute in any way possible for us to win. I don't need you to try to go out and score 40 every single night because we can win with you scoring 30. We could win with you scoring 20 if you do the little things to make sure we're in a position to win. And that all the time doesn't. I appreciate the drive of the guy that says, you know what? I'm going to go out here. I'm going to beat you at this game and I'm going to roll you over while I do it. But then if that's the case, you don't need the four other people. It might as well be a one-on-one tournament. You still need them. And when we get deeper into Jordan, we'll talk about that. Definitely. Definitely. Because it, it comes off as me being somebody who doesn't like Michael Jordan or doesn't appreciate his game. Again, like you said earlier, we both love basketball. So I would be a fool to say Michael Jordan is not a legend. Michael Jordan is not one of the greats because we see what's happening with our own two eyes. We saw how he dominated the game. We saw how he put his stamp on the game. So I'm not that close-minded to where I'll sit here and step on everything that he accomplished just to prove a point for somebody else. And that's why I get into these debates and I get peed off sometimes is because it automatically comes off as me diminishing Michael Jordan and what he's done because I like LeBron. And that's that's not the case. That GOAT conversation... See, go ahead. The inverse, too. I love LeBron, but it looks like I hate it. If you read me going back and forth with you, it looks like I can't stand the dude, but I love him. <laughs> And that's what and that's what I'm saying is like a lot of people don't know how to have a conversation. We're all not going to agree. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're wrong either. But it, it gets to the point to where like we're taking personal shots at each other. Like, man, one day I came home from work and I was so mad, dude. I took it out on my family and I'm arguing with a complete stranger that's all the way across the country in California. And I was like, that's when I was like, you know what? I got to chill with the social media stuff. So I've, I've kind of laid back on the sports debates, so to speak, because it's like, it's not my job to try to change your mind, but I also expect you to have an open mind and just see my perspective also. But it's like, if you say anything bad about Michael Jordan, dude, you got to be ready to fight. And that's the part that I don't like. And that, that takes us to the documentary that's coming up because I'm... I want to see it so bad. I'm ready for that. Me too. Like that to me is couldn't come at a at a better time because we're all sitting around just dying for something. I understand you. Uh, everything's still running as normal for y'all. Like, how is that going? Oh man, work has been crazy. I mean, post office is business as usual. It takes a lot to to change up much for us. Right, and then, and that's yeah. and that's what it's like. I I know here. I think. I think they said maybe one or two people tested positive or whatever. And it's like, everybody's freaking out. But it's like, if you stop the mail, like, what comes after that? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's scary to even think about, man. And I don't know if you listened to it yet or had a chance to. I had Charles and my brother on the other week. You know, Charles is with FedEx or whatever. And I, I told him, I was like, man, thank you. Because y'all are out there on the front lines, man. Like. Some people take it serious, some people don't, but it's unfortunate that in your situation, you still have to send people out there. Like, the mail has to run. Well, I mean, it's precautions like everybody else is taking. You know, I mean, that's that's all you can do. So, as far as this documentary, man, like, like you said, yeah. you, you were a Bulls fan. That's the behind the scenes. Like, we've heard the stories of Jordan punching Kerr. We've heard the stories of how tough he was in practice. And that's the part that intrigues me. That's the part that I want to see. Because all we've had I thus far is just the stories. Like, people just reciting stories. And you don't know if it's true or not. And, and that's where I'm like, this will be our confirmation as to what was really going on. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm wanting to see... Uh... I want to see how much they focus on just the last season. I mean, I know it's called The Last Dance, and it's supposed to be about the 97-98 season. But, well, I mean, like the OJ documentary, it's about OJ, the murder trial. But, you know, half the documentary is about his life growing up, so you've got background on it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to how much they get into the first three people with the Bulls. Because, see, and we'll... We might get into this later, but when I hear about how great Jordan's supported cast was, I only ever hear anybody call out the teams from 96 through 98. You're right. You're you know, right. Nobody's ever like, man, y'all had Stacey King coming off the bench. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, though, because it's like if you if you look at the league during that time period and you look at the roster that the Bulls had, Compare it to the rest of the teams in the NBA, the Bulls were loaded. And when I say that to people, I kind of get this look like, dude, like you, you're out of your mind. And I think people look at, they need to see, oh, LeBron played with 10 uh, All-Stars and this and that. And I'm like, it's not about whether or not you made the All-Star team. It's how did you complement 
the roster. So when I look at B.J. Armstrong and Paxson and Bill Cartwright and Horace Grant, you don't you don't have a three-peat without those guys. Michael Jordan did not single-handedly win three championships. You don't have a three-peat without those guys, but you can replace all of those guys. With who? With other guys. I mean, are you meaning to tell me they couldn't have found someone to replace Bill Cartwright and all that he provided to the team? But you got to... Of course they can. They, they found him. His name was Luke Longley. <laughs> <laughs> they, they literally proved that other than Jordan and Pippen, nobody on that team was worth a damn because they replaced every single one of them. But that's the thing, though, because you didn't need a dominant center. They were running a triangle offense. So it wasn't designed for a center to be the focus. Go ahead. Hold on. Go you ahead. You need a dominant center to run the triangle offense. You needed somebody who but was able to move and be able to pass. Centers back then. So, but that's the thing. I mean, if you had a Patrick Ewan or a David Robinson on that Bulls team, nobody was going to be able to utilize him because Michael Jordan was going to attempt his 20 plus shots a game. So they I needed. Disagree. I disagree. I think if you'd have had a post player, you saw it work with Shaq and Kobe. But, but, but what do you do with Pippen? What do you do with Pippen? Pippen was already kind of jealous of his role to begin with. That's this is where you're looking at the league a little too modern. You didn't have three people on a team like that back then. So so you're proving my point. They didn't need a dominant center. They just needed somebody that was going to come in and get the job done. And I honestly feel like Bill Cartwright played his role to perfection. He done what they needed him to do. But that's exactly what he was, was a role player. But you, but you don't necessarily have that in today's game. Like, people like, are just looking for star-studded athletes. Michael Jordan with off of those teams, and they they still win. No way. But like, if you swapped out Jordan and LeBron, just for example, the Bulls would not be as good because they needed Jordan to score. I beg to differ, and that's where I don't know. Um, I, I'm tell you this right now. I've seen LeBron play with crappy players. He don't do that well. He don't like it. Name it. Watch him. His whole career has been with crappy players outside of. Yeah. Say that again. Watch him bounce bounce passes off of Bill Cartwright's clumsy hands. See how much he likes it. <laughs> First of all, if you give LeBron, John Paxson, Craig Hodges, Scottie Pippen, he's going to have a field day with that. Their career, they're going to be all-stars. You understand that, right? <laughs> you understand that, right? You, I mean, Pippen would be an all-star. Pippen would still be an all-star. But you understand Horace Grant also made the all-star team, right? John Paxson is not going to be an all-star. So how did Mo Williams become an all-star? How did Mo Williams become an all-star? He became an all-star playing with LeBron. And after and after he after he left with LeBron, what happened to Mo Williams? Until he came back to LeBron. Scottie Pippen had a hell of a career. What do you mean? Scottie Pippen had a hell of a career after Michael Jordan. In, injuries is what hurt uh, Scottie Pippen. <laughs> injuries is what hurt Scottie Pippen. That Portland Trailblazers team was legit. And Scottie Pippen had a, a pivotal role on that team. What do you mean? Yeah, he had a role. 
But it's not like he was a lead dog on that team or anything. He didn't have to be a, a alpha scoring 25 points a night. And that's where I'm telling you my opinion on the game difference. Alpha scoring 25 points a night. You're, you're saying that Scottie Pippen's career after Michael Jordan was kind of blah. And I'm saying it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he went to Houston. That didn't go well. <laughs> See, you forgot all about that. Was he, Houston was after Portland, wasn't it? I think Houston was before Portland because he played with Barkley. And that was at the end of, of all of their everything. In Portland, they were like, wasn't that the team yeah, that lost to, to the Lakers? They almost beat the Lakers. That's, the, that's what I'm saying. That's the team that lost to the Lakers. Scottie Pippen contributed. But you want to talk about a loaded team? That Portland team had Rasheed Wallace. They had Steve Smith. It had uh, Damon Stoudemire on that team. He was pretty good back then. You had Pippen. That was a good team. Arvidas Sabonis. You understand that you're describing the Chicago Bulls team as well, right? The Portland Trailblazer yeah. team was solid because they had guys who came in and contributed and played their role. That's exactly how those Bulls teams were designed. And I got it right That's here. I got it right here. He did go to Houston for one season after he left Chicago. And then he played four seasons with Portland. He played 50 so he games with Houston. He played 50 games with Houston. So that right there is a scratch. You don't even count that. The well, same the reason he played 50 games is because I had the lockout. So, but what I'm saying is, how do you, how do you say that his career was just blah after Jordan, when even after Houston he went on to be successful? Winning the championship doesn't always end. No, 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 no. I'm saying he wasn't the player after Jordan left. He wasn't the player the last two years in Chicago. If you want to be technical. Oh, so now you're saying Jordan did it with less help? I'm saying that at the end of the day. When Scottie Pippen's back went down, the Bulls struggled. You understand the last shot, they only won by one point, right? I do remember that. So, so at the end of the day, and I understand we're kind of getting off topic, and it's a great conversation. I love it. It's like, we'll take that last game. The Bulls beat, it was what, 86, 85, I think? Or 87, 86? It was um, 86, 84, I believe. Or something along those lines. Regardless, out of 86 points, Jordan had 45. Yeah. And no other bull even attempted, I want to say not even 10 shots. So you can't say Jordan carried them. You never gave anybody else an opportunity to even show that, that they can help contribute. And that's my gripe he against his game. He don't give the shots to so, so they so they went seventy two and ten and won sixty nine and I can't wait to see the documentary for one, but those three years, they were the best team in the league hands down only because of Michael Jordan. He led the league in scoring all three years. He's always led the league in scoring because that's that's his DNA. But they were built to have a scoring guard. That's my point about the team. They're built to have a scoring guard. That's why I said LeBron wouldn't work as well because LeBron wouldn't like. I'm not saying LeBron can't go out and get 40 if he needs to, but he just doesn't score like Jordan does. He just doesn't play that way. But here's the thing, and this is what's going to transition on into this this greatest of all time conversation. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I look at it from you have to look at their position. Michael Jordan is le 
is a guard. He's always been a guard. Even going back to the shot at North Carolina, that shot to me is not spectacular. That's what his position requires him to be able to do. You're talking about a guy that's 6'9", 260. I don't expect him to have a shooter's touch, so to speak. If I'm going to be honest, LeBron can't shoot. He's just streaky. So I wouldn't dare to, oh, LeBron's got to hit X amount of game winners and buzzer beaters like Kobe and Jordan. I'm like, their games are apples and oranges. And that's where my my gripe comes in. I wouldn't dare look at, at LeBron and say, I expect you to play like a two guard. That's crazy. Now on the flip side, exactly though. That's why I don't think he would fit in with those Chicago teams because he's not what they needed. But who's to say that they're still going to run the same type of offense? They don't need to run the triangle or any of that because you got a guy who can penetrate. The coach running the damn triangle. First, you know what? Time out, time out, time out, time out. We want to scratch all of that. When we think about Chicago and we think about the Bulls, we automatically skip to year seven and year eight of Michael Jordan's career. There was a point in Michael Jordan's career in the beginning where he was the LeBron. He did facilitate and run the point and this and that. And all they got him was what? A bunch of scoring titles? He's not, he's not built to be that leader. He can only lead by watch me. And that's why I don't I don't care for his game. Well, and that that's more the tangible part of Jordan, though, is... It's it's watch me, but it's keep up with me. No, yeah, I'm the lead horse on the I'm the lead horse on the uh, on the sled here, but all of y'all are gonna keep pace with me, or I'm gonna break you down. I ain't even and gonna say it's, it's keep pace way. with me. It's just you know what y'all go do all the dirty work, come down on the other end and give me the ball, and that's the part that that's I don't why like. I always went to Luke Longley on the first possession of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> he was going to be doing the dirty work the rest of the night. I Go back see. and watch him on the Chicago games. Watch him dump it down to Luke in the post just to start it off. I have him here. And that's why it's like, when when for me personally, and I'll, I'm not going to put any sarcasm or nothing in it. Like for me personally, growing up, we were all fascinated by Jordan. We saw the Gatorade commercials. We saw the three-peats. He was like, Prime time, like there's no other athlete during that time period that you could compare to him. So he was on this mountaintop and then everybody else is on the ground looking up. There was nobody that was even climbing the mountain to try to get there. It was just Michael Jordan sitting on top by himself. So it's like that was my perspective of Michael Jordan at the time. I thought like everybody else, oh, my God, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest. He's the this. He's the that. But then as an adult, when I watched the documentaries, when I see the games on ESPN Classic and stuff like that, and I look at the style of play, and I look at the level of competition, he didn't wow me. It wasn't a, a wow like it was when I was a child. And I'm like, to me, I feel like everybody has been bamboozled into thinking that he's this superhero on the basketball court. But when you actually watch the game, nothing really stood out to me other than a bunch of shot attempts. Well, I mean, a bunch of shots made probably stood out, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell, if you shoot 40, hell, I hope you hit 20. He was a 50% career shooter. I'll, I'll give him that. 20 out of 40. 20 out of 40. I mean, hell, I, I would hope. 
Hopefully he's not a James Harden, one for 18. I mean, seriously, if you try to do this, and you may actually try, next time you play a pickup game, try to get up 40 shots. See how tired you are. I I, I know it's game. tiring. And, and again, that's the testament to his gift. I'll give him that. I'm currently reading the Kobe Bryant book right now. He talked about his preparation and how many times he went to the gym and how many shots he got up. So at the end of the day, if I put in the work, hell yeah, I'm going to go out here and take the shots. Hell yeah, I expect to make them because I put in the work. I'm not diminishing that part of it. But at the end of the day, it's basketball. Basketball is not designed for one guy to go out here and shoot the ball 30 plus times. That's why I hate James Harden. Like, sitting back. Go ahead. At the same time. That's what made Jordan so special. You sit here and you really think about it. How many times has that worked in the history of basketball? I mean, Jordan, Kobe twice. But the thing is this. Michael Jordan was... That's how much you excel at your gift to score the ball, is that you transcend the way the game is played. Did his athleticism play a factor in that at all? Absolutely. How much? Depends on what era Jordan you're talking about. When Michael Jordan came into the NBA, how much did athleticism play a factor in all of his accomplishments? Played a big factor. I'm saying it's the factor. In my opinion, it's the factor. If you look at the competition that he played against coming in as a rookie, clear up until what? The the second? I ain't going to say the second because by then in 93, Barkley had won MVP. Barkley was a, a dominant figure. But he still wasn't on the level of Jordan. Patrick Ewan wasn't on the level of Jordan. Reggie Miller was still a baby, so to speak. Clyde Drexler wasn't on that level. But from the time he was drafted to the, the after the first retirement, in my opinion, there was nobody in the NBA that even could possibly try to stop him. Well, I mean, can't you say the same thing about LeBron now? I disagree 100% because you're talking about a guy who was drafted after Kobe, Garnett, Tim Duncan. It was guys who could physically still impose their will on LeBron, so to speak. When Michael Jordan came into the... Anyone physically impose LeBron in his entire career. So how did they get swept by the Spurs in, uh, what was it, 05, 06? They took his strength away from him, which was... was terrible. That team was awful. So now it's about the... I thought we were talking about the individual. The Spurs... Individual, but individual can only carry a team so far. It's a percentage. And that's what I'm saying with the, all right, like, look at it like a pie. (laughs) In the Bulls pie, Jordan was X amount of it. You know, what he brought to the team, what he, the ingredients he brought to the pie, so to speak, he brought certain ingredients. That Cleveland team was awful. You can't even, but you, but you, I'd never hold that against LeBron. You never heard me. In all the times we argued, say, oh, he got swept in. Oh, no. But I listen, listen, you're not, you're not hearing my point. You're not hearing my point. Listen to me. I'm talking about when Jordan came into the NBA and his athleticism compared to everybody else that he was on the court with and how him flying and jumping and skying over everybody, that was his strength early in his career. So when LeBron came into the NBA, his strength was just put his head down Use his athleticism to jump and soar over everybody. Not saying similar to Michael Jordan, but that was LeBron's strength. 
bulldozing to the rim. And I, I feel like that's still his strength now because he's not a shooter. He can't shoot. So that first year when they went to the finals, Pop took away the paint. Completely took it away. So that's why I'm saying people were able to take LeBron's strengths away from him. I've never seen anybody take Jordan's strength away. Who physically was able to, to take that away from Michael Jordan outside of the, the Pistons? And that required them to basically... No, you're good. That that basically required them to assault the man. That's the only way you could stop him was to, to assault him and throw him to the ground and punch him in the, in the air and all that. And that's what I'm saying. That's what made Jordan stand out in my opinion. Yeah. I just think it's a different style of play. Nobody else could match that style of play. Do I? Nobody else could match that style of play. Right. Nobody else could match Jordan's style of play. But I'm talking about the differences between Jordan and LeBron. It's just a style difference. Like, I prefer to watch the way Jordan plays. You prefer to watch the way LeBron plays. I don't necessarily think that's the difference between one being better than the other, though. So let me ask you this, though. Is your fascination with watching Michael Jordan because of the entertainment side of it or you enjoy it for some reason because you feel that that contributes to the game of basketball? I would honestly say it's probably more entertaining. So that's my point when we have this conversation. And I say to people, there's there's nothing wrong with loving Michael Jordan. As far as an entertainer, how could you not love the high-flying, the shoulder shrugs after making all the three-pointers and all that? That, to me, is just pure entertainment. When I look at LeBron, I'm looking at how he plays the game and how the game was designed to be played. If I have four other people on the court with me, the objective is for me and four other people to go out and compete and win the game. I want to get everybody involved because I feel like that's what builds team chemistry. I feel that's what builds that trust factor to where that when I'm double teamed or whatever, I'm not going to go up and take this shot over two and three people, a.k.a. Michael Jordan, to gloat and beat my chest for a personal achievement. I'm going to trust my guy in the corner. I'm going to pass the ball because statistics show that if two people are on me, somebody's open. And this whole notion that people are like, oh, my God, he's scared of the moment. he That's the right play to make. That's the part that I've never understood. Well, and I think that's that's maybe where you and I differ a little bit. A, a shot for LeBron that, you know, is maybe on a scale of 1 to 100 difficulty. A shot for LeBron that's maybe a 75 difficulty level might be better than a shot that's a 50% difficulty level for, say, Sasha Pavlovich. Who started on that 017. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, there's times I'd rather LeBron James take a bad shot than somebody take a good one. Now, if my other option is Anthony Davis, well, yeah, pass the ball. If I can dump it off to Steve Kerr, one of the best shooters of all time, absolutely. That's what I'm going to do. Sometimes, you know, like, okay, you talked about game 698. Go back and watch the last 40 seconds. Jordan's been picking the spots the whole game, keeping the Bulls in it. Last 40 seconds. Blows in for a layup. Comes down, steals the ball from Malone. Fouls Malone. Go ahead. He didn't 
Ball. He fouled him, but go ahead. I, I hear you. Hands are part of the ball, crap. <laughs> Whatever. He, he strips Malone clean, which, by the way, I do have here in my notes. Jordan, still, still to this day, third all time on the steals list. We, we'll definitely come back to that. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up, too. Go ahead. Anyway, rips Malone, brings it into the front court, maybe gets a little rough with Byron Russell, (laughs) makes a a play. (laughs) Makes a a play he knows he's going to get away with because he's Michael Jordan. Makes a smart basketball play, in my opinion. (laughs) He knows nobody's going to call a foul on him in that moment. I want to show you something. Go ahead. Keep talking. Last 40 seconds of the game, nobody else on his team touches the ball. So let me like, ask you me, this. That's impressive. That's impressive that the force of your game is such that you can defy, defy the way it's meant to be played. So let me ask you this. Is that is that really something that somebody should be proud of, that nobody else touched the ball? I ain't even going to say the last 40 seconds. I want to say probably the last three minutes of the game. It was move out of my way, fall in the corners. I got this. Win or lose, I got this. I tell you what, would you rather be the guy that had everybody get the hell out of the way and won the title, or would you be the guy that wanted to pass off and make the smart play and lost? I can't say that. That that I have the shot right next to me. I have Michael Jordan shoving Russell Um, to the ground right next to me. So I'm familiar with, with what happened. I'm familiar with all of it. I have the full-length game start to finish here at the house on DVD. I've seen it. I've watched it. And to go back to your point, (laughs) to go back to your point, it's like I'll use game seven of the Cleveland Cavaliers versus Golden State. And LeBron and Kyrie took turns going back and forth. And I feel like that's what helped them come back from a 3-1 deficit because you couldn't necessarily focus on one player. So do you... Let me ask you, did LeBron have a good game seven in that game? I'm not going to say it was a, a good game seven, but it was solid. He contributed in other ways than scoring. It, he, didn't dom- he, did. he didn't dominate the I'd game scoring-wise. Let's say he had a good, typical LeBron James game. Now, game five, he was out of his mind. I've never seen that. Outside of that game against uh, the Detroit Pistons early in that first run with Cleveland, take that lie back because I feel like the game six, game Boston, six Boston, that's what I was getting ready to yeah. say, yeah. But as far as the game seven, it's like I felt like they didn't have an answer for Kyrie. And that, to me, is the difference between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. If Scottie Pippen is having a good game or coach is having a good game, do you really think Michael Jordan is going to take a back seat to that? First title they won, he averaged 11 assists a game in the finals. <sighs> it's funny that you say that too. And you brought up the steals. Let's, let's go back to the steals. Because... <laughs> we'll talk about this. Hold on, hold on. It's coming full circle. It's coming full circle. Just hear me out. I caught a lot of flack. I caught a lot of flack because I feel like that defensive player of the year award is no. I don't I don't count that. I don't count that. Because if you go back and look at the history of the award, okay. if you go back and look at the history of the award, 
He was the first guard to win it, right? I don't know that for sure. If you go back and look it up, at the at the time, Madden, never win it? take that lie back. At the time, I think the award had only been in existence for like two or three seasons. So they really didn't even have a criteria yet of what determined to be defensive player of the year. So you hit this season, and if you go back and look at the come fly with me's and all that, he's guarding Mark Price and Craig Elo. And he's supposed to oh, steal the ball. Oh, oh, oh. Get off Mark Price. <laughs> you watch a guy that can split a I'm not giving him credit. Yeah. I mean, you don't want any piece of Mark Price. I'm not giving him credit for taking the ball from Danny Ainge and coming on the backside and blocking Patrick Ewan. Like that to me does not define a defensive player of the year. I'm so sorry. None of those chase down blocks LeBron had me. <laughs> so are we comparing? Just empty highlights. Those uh, are highlight blocks. Are we comparing chase down blocks to, to begin with? Right. Are we comparing chase down blocks to help side blocks? Really? You're the one saying that. The defensive player of the year award doesn't mean anything because they don't have a criteria. I'm, just not if, count the first I'm saying when we get off of this call, go back and look at the defensive player of the year award at that time that he won it. I can tell you this. Michael Jordan was the first player in the history of the league to have 200 steals and 100 blocks in the same season. And you're proving my point again. Who was he taking the ball from? Doesn't matter. It he's, does matter. He's taking the ball from the people. If I go outside with my son right now, it. if I go outside with my son right now, I can steal the ball from him 50 times out of 50 times. I'm supposed to steal it from him. You know what? If you and your son were both good enough to be in the NBA right now, that would be impressive. But we both just established that he was ahead of his time. You agreed to that. From NBA level players. You agreed that he was ahead of his time. how good the players were. But the reality was they, at the time, they were the best basketball players in the world. So let me ask you this. And again, we kind of got off topic, and I apologize for that. If you put Michael Jordan, late 80s, early 90s Michael Jordan, I'm going to give him, I'll give you prime Jordan. You put him in today's game against today's guards, does he do the same thing? That was Grimmick, just for the record, if you heard that. <laughs> I heard it, but I'm, I'm waiting, like... No. Ponder on it. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to trick you into answering nothing just off the fly. No, 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 Think no, about no, it no. and come back to it if you have to. No, no. Today's guards, I mean, that's a, that's where you and I, I think, differ and we veer off when we have these discussions. I don't think Jordan's game looks like Jordan from 91 in 2020. I'm, I think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He's a better three-point shooter. When I, when I say Jordan's the greatest ever, it's a combination of did he maximize his potential? Did he excel in the moment? Did he record stats? Did he win titles? Did he do? Did he check all the boxes? But one of those boxes that you check is your potential. And Jordan wasn't a great three-point shooter, but he didn't have to be. But do you really think in this day and age if he had to be a great three-point shooter, he wouldn't be one? You think he wouldn't be in the gym until his knuckles were bleeding shooting threes? I mean, you can work on it all day. LeBron is a terrible free throw shooter. You're not going to... 
in my opinion, that's, you, mental. that's mental. In in you my opinion, I agree with you. But in my opinion, again, if learning how to shoot was so easy, then everybody would be able to shoot. I don't care how much you work on your game. Well, you can't just. You. I don't disagree with you, but I think Jordan had the skills to be a great shooter. I mean, he was an elite mid-range shooter. He had fantastic form. He had a beautiful form. I'm not going to take that away from him. But yeah, but so, but I just think he never developed that part of his game because he didn't have to. But what I'm trying to get you to see is I'm only looking at it from an athletic standpoint when I say if you take Prime Jordan and put him in today's game. There were no guards, whether you look at John Stockton, Hornacek, hell, Gary Payton, nobody could match his athleticism. So when Michael Jordan left the ground and took off, all you could do is just stand there and watch him. Westbrook is not going to stand there and watch Michael Jordan. He's going to go up with him. Westbrook yeah, is going to go up with him and he's going to foul him. Michael Jordan is not going to stand there and pickpocket Westbrook. John Wall, Kyrie Irving. He's. I don't see it. I think you're wrong about that. I think you're wrong about that. I think quick hands translate across any generation. I I just don't see it. I think intelligence to play passing lanes will translate across any generation. You ever seen that old man in the pickup game that just keeps getting steals? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I tell you, who was great at it was Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd racked up a lot of steals when he got old. He did. He did. And again, I'm, it's not it's not that I'm trying to diminish Michael Jordan because I'm not. I'm saying that I honestly feel like the arguments for him is over-exaggerated. You just made a point just a few minutes ago. You said, I look at a guy who checks all the boxes. So when this conversation comes up between LeBron and Jordan. And when people say he has more points, he has more assists, he has more rebounds, he has more everything, people automatically sweep that under the rug as if it doesn't matter. Well, six rings. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, in my opinion, we can never have a real conversation when it comes to that because you sweep all of his accomplishments under the rug, but then you highlight a team achievement. Michael Jordan didn't win six rings. The Chicago Bulls won six rings. Yeah, but I think, see, this is where it turns into a Jordan-LeBron argument every time because I thought about trying, I thought about this before the podcast. I was like, I'm not going to bring up LeBron James at all. I was like, no, it's definitely not going to (laughs) work. And the reason is, is because if you tell me Jordan's not the best player ever, then... Who is? And right now, if you're going to tell me Michael Jordan's not the best player ever, then you're going to have to tell me LeBron James is. I would think because I watch basketball. So, so my thing is but, this, and you just said it. So my thing is what you talk about sweeping everything under the rug. Look at it like a championship belt. What's LeBron done to win the title? What's he done to pull the strap off of Jordan? What has he done? So- I mean, he's done. Look, look, look. I'm not saying he's not. The second greatest basketball player of all time. <laughs> so all I'm sitting here saying is, is to be the man, you got to beat the man. And what have you done to beat the man? So let me Great ask you this. Rings. So let me ask you and this. 
Yeah, you've got greater accumulated stats because he's going to end up playing longer. So, pause right there. Pause right there. Hold on. Wait. I know where you're going with this. Let me finish my thought. If you want to tell me LeBron James is going to have a better career than Michael Jordan, I'll listen to you. If you want to tell me he's going to be a better basketball player, I don't want to hear it. So So here's where you just destroyed your own argument. In the beginning of this no. conversation, you said you like scores. You give Michael Jordan the edge because of his scoring ability. Now, if we're talking about basketball players, how can you water down LeBron being a guy that can score just as many points on less shots? Yeah. Granted, less shots. He can score just as many points. He's going to give you more rebounds, and he's going to facilitate 10 times more than Jordan could ever do. How does that make Michael Jordan the better player? Well, first off, LeBron James doesn't do anything as well as Michael Jordan scored basketball. So let me ask you, time out. I don't want to interrupt your thoughts. I'm sorry. As well as Jordan scored. Hold on. Second, Jordan was an amazing rebounder for a guard. LeBron's played inside more his whole career, and he's played in an era where there's been a lot more rebounds to be had. This is one little stat I got looked up. This 1998 game six we've been talking about? Yeah. 55 rebounds in that game. 55 in the entire game. Game seven, 2016, 80. That's 25 more shots going up. That's because Michael Jordan is holding the ball. Whose fault is that? I mean, it sounds like he's doing what he needs to do to win. See, like, you keep running down the way he played the game. Obviously, it worked. <laughs> Look, we're looking in hindsight. I mean, the pre- he's got results to back it up. You keep it like, all Jordan did was shoot 40 times. You know what? All Nolan Ryan did was throw fastballs, too, but he struck a bunch of people out. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Who did Michael Jordan pass to become the greatest of all time? Ooh, great question. Great question. I think Kareem. How? How'd he pass him or how'd I get a Kareem? How, like, people don't even consider Kareem. And at the time, in my opinion, again, and you can go back and check the documentaries, check the footage straight from Larry Bird's mouth, straight from Magic Johnson's mouth. They were crowning Jordan as the best player ever during the 92 Dream Team run, it was universal across the board that Michael Jordan is the best that anybody had ever seen. And this is all prior to six championships. So now everybody after Jordan has to win six championships to even be in the conversation. And I'm saying to people, how do you set the criteria for a guy that didn't even have to surpass the criteria? Do we do we both agree that as of right now, nobody will entertain the greatest of all time conversation unless you have five championships or more? No, I disagree with that. Who else has been in that conversation? LeBron's been in the conversation. We're having the conversation. And everybody that and everybody that has the conversation says you can't say LeBron is in the conversation because he only has three rings. People will say, I'd rather put Tim Duncan or Kobe Bryant in that conversation because they've won five championships. People base the argument on rings. I'm sorry? 
You ain't never heard me say that. I'm speaking in general. The conversation of the population, even if you look at ESPN and all them guys, Scottie Pippen, I can't wait to talk about him because there was once a point in time where he said LeBron James was the greatest player that he's ever seen. And then when the media attacked him, he flipped it so quick. People get on to Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambert. Both of them have said LeBron James is the greatest player. And people are like dumbfounded by these statements because they're like, he's only, he's, he's three and six in the finals. He's this and that. Jordan is six and oh. Everybody brings up six and oh. And that's why I'm asking you if six and oh is the bar, what bar did Jordan cross to get there? Well, I don't think the bar was as clearly defined as the problem. So that's my point. So I, think, I think, like, you asked me who I thought the best player was before Jordan, but I don't think there was a consensus before Jordan. So that's my point. So now, so now after Jordan, so now after Jordan, it's like the only way you can be considered, we're not even going to have the conversation unless you have 80% of what he's accomplished. And I'm saying that to me is by far the most ridiculous argument that anybody could ever have because he didn't have to surpass any of that to get to this point. Well, see, I look at it more as what you should have done. You know, I talk about maximizing your potential. I said that earlier. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be the fifth best player in the finals and talk about being the best player ever. Fifth best player in the finals? Dwayne Wade. Chris Bosh, Dirk Nowitzki, and Jason Terry all outplayed LeBron in the finals. Touche. Touche. So I'm a one-up you. you know, so I'm a one-up you. Know, so, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, that and I just, the way they went out to the Spurs that last year with the Heat, they, I'm not even so much upset that they lost as it looked like they just seemed disinterested. So what else What else could LeBron have done? That's when we're talking about D-Wade was, I'm talking about so injured to where I don't even think he played 50 games that year, 60 games that year. It was obvious that Dwayne Wade... could have scored 45 of 86 points and not let anyone touch the ball in the last 40 seconds of the game. So that's where the defensive style of play comes into effect as well. If... They could only play man-to-man like they did in Jordan's era. Do you honestly think LeBron James couldn't score at will? I mean, do you think if they had rules in Jordan's era like – I tell you what, they made up a rule in 1987 after he scored 37 a game. Look it up. They made up a rule where you couldn't isolate one person on the floor by themselves. It was a legal offense. Because of what? They changed the game to make it more difficult for Michael Jordan to dominate. And did it work? Hell no, it didn't. He's Michael Jordan. That's my point. So let me ask you. So let me ask you this: When they implemented the ability for teams to zone up, well, oh, it's not a real zone. Listen, let's make that very clear. It's not real zone defense that they can run. Syracuse runs a zone. Just because Syracuse runs a two-three, that's not the only zone. If I got four guys boxed in the paint, that's a zone. All they got to have is no, one foot on the elbow. All they got to have is a foot on the elbow and a foot on the box, and that's a zone. They're standing there stationary. They're not guarding anybody. That's a zone. That's a boxing rule. So regardless of whether what, what you want to call it, even if you go back to Doc Rivers in, in Boston, that's how they beat LeBron. They all stood there and, and 
dared him to shoot. Yeah, they built a wall. They built a wall where he couldn't get to the paint, dared him to shoot. So yes, do I you think honestly think if they were able if they were able to do that against Michael Jordan, they would have been able to stop him? No. Jordan was a better shooter. Early in his career, Jordan could not shoot worth a damn. Early in his career, Jordan could not shoot. Well, I'm not talking about early in their career, Jordan or LeBron. We're talking about the totality. We're talking about the totality. And I'm saying that if you look at their careers, you see the difference. Then you can't just say early in his career, Jordan could shoot and forget that he could shoot for the other two thirds of it. You do, look, you still haven't answered my question. And again, right now we just kind of rambling in circles. And it's a great conversation. But I'm I'm saying that in my opinion, you can't tell somebody else that they're required to jump all of these hurdles in order to win the race when the champion didn't have any hurdles. That to me is just crazy. That's beyond crazy. Michael Jordan, in my opinion, did not surpass anybody. What criteria was in place for Michael Jordan? He wasn't chasing somebody who had X amount of rings. At that time, before the Bulls three-peated, what? Bird had what? Three? Yeah, Bird got three. Magic Magic had had five. five. So the conversation wasn't Magic Johnson was the GOAT. Magic Johnson was the greatest. Kareem was the greatest. Kareem is the most disrespected basketball player ever. See, but I think, well, part of that is because Kareem's personality. I mean, there's a documentary on that, too. (laughs) But, no, I mean, like, you keep, yeah, LeBron's got hurdles to clear to pass Jordan, but I think the point was before Jordan, there wasn't a guy. There wasn't anyone that everyone universally looked at and said, you know what, that's the guy. And the reality is 20 years from now, that's probably not going to be the case either. People aren't going to look at Jordan as the guy. People are going to say, oh, Jordan and LeBron are among the best ever. There will be Jordan people. There will be LeBron people. And that's where I also there think... Will be there will be you forever. And that's where I also think that the conversation is based on generations. Like, currently, we're in that generation that watched Jordan grow up. So when you see your Stephen A. Smiths and all these guys, and when they have those debates, whether they're paid to say it or not, I don't know. But it's like anybody that entertains the idea of somebody other than Jordan, these people just blow up. And that's because Jordan is all we ever seen. I didn't see Dr. J. I didn't see Kareem. But if you ask somebody that's in their 50s or 60s who was the best player, oftentimes you're going to hear Dr. J. Or you're going to hear... Uh, Oscar Robinson or Kareem. You ask the younger guys that's in the NBA now who was their favorite players, and oftentimes you hear them say LeBron James. So in the next 10 plus years, when you have that next set of people on those panels, people are going to make those arguments for LeBron James. And that's why I hate hearing people that's younger than us, not to sound biased, but when these younger people are like, Michael Jordan is the best ever, I'm like, you didn't even see him play. We barely saw him play. We only saw Michael Jordan in his prime. I didn't see Michael Jordan struggle ever. So how do you get to make an argument that Michael Jordan was the greatest ever and all you're looking at is highlights in previous games? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, 
I think it's just a personal preference thing. I've just always preferred the way Jordan played. And, I mean, you know, you can say LeBron's a better rebounder, he's a better passer. I mean, so was Penny Hardaway, but he's not a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. The 94-95 season determines that that is a lie. Well, the 95-96 season <laughs> determined that that was the truth. <laughs> after, you know after, what? after. When the man got beat, he beat the man back. After you went and loaded the roster. Do what? After you went and loaded the roster. With who? That's the, that's, after that, that's when they went out and got your Dennis Rodman's and all of that. Dennis Rodman, the greatest role player of all time. So, I'm, so that's why I'm telling people when, when you try to water down the Bulls roster as if, those pieces were not critical to their success. That's when I have a hard time respecting the conversation because given. I don't think they're critical to the success, but it's also, it's like, if you go to a restaurant, you have a really great meal. The sous chef contributed, but they didn't cook the meal. (laughs) I mean, it was nice of them to chop the carrots up and get it, you know, Get the sugar ready and everything. But when, it take, when it comes time to cook the meal, I want the chef, not the sous chef cooking. I give you that. I give you that. So let me ask you this. So what what role did Tony Kukoc play in the Bulls' success? I think Tony Kukoc gets overrated historically. What? Oh, wow. I just heard from Grimmett in the background, too. This is this is where I plug in the I respectfully disagree. Like what? <laughs> what? If Did, Tony Kukoc was so good, it would. And I tell all right, that's a good point. Tony Kukoc would be a lot better today than he was back then. Wow. Yes, that's another. <sighs> look at there. I am dropping all the hot takes on the I respectfully disagree podcast. <laughs> all the hot Tony, all the hot Tony Kukoc takes you can handle. <laughs> are you smoking si- hot Tony Kukoc takes? Are you no, serious right now? Think about it now. He's six foot eleven. He can stroke the three. I mean, how is he any different now than every other European player in the NBA except Luka Doncic? Because at the end of the day, Tony Kukoc gave them the blueprint. What are you talking about? Outside of outside of who? I want to say what maybe maybe Sam Perkins. No, no, if he was so good, if he was so good, and when he came over, he was he was the Croatian Michael Jordan. That's what he was built as. The European Michael Jordan. That was Tony Kukoc. So the the whole story of why did the Bulls win like ten games the next year when he was on the team? I'm gonna have to go back and look at that one because that's what happens when you let a role player play a bigger role than he needs to. Tony Kukoc is the reason Scottie Pippen wanted out. The great Phil Jackson even saw that. Phil Jackson was ready to hand the keys to Tony Kukoc. Well, Phil Jackson also said he'd rather have Dwight Howard than LeBron James to start his team too. Maybe he's a good coach, but not the best talent evaluator. <laughs> he did run the Knicks, so I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to hear nothing about that. Uh, like, are you, like, so you, re- like, six man of the year, Tony Kukoc, that guy. Is that who we're talking about? Yeah, that guy. yeah, that's the guy we're talking about. 
the guy that hit several game winners for the Bulls during that time period. That guy? That guy that got taken on a ride by Michael Jordan, hopped on Superman's cape, and got to touch the clouds. That's disrespectful, man. So I guess so I guess Kerr took a ride too, right? I mean, Kerr, okay. All right, let's have the Steve Kerr conversation. We're really getting into some deep cuts here when we're having the Steve <laughs> Kerr conversation. But let's go ahead and have it. Steve Kerr was a phenomenal shooter, one of the greatest ever. But was he ever anything more than that? Was he a defensive liability? Yes. Could he run the offense? No. Could he spot up and piggyback off of great players and hit an open shot? Yeah. Does it, has LeBron never had a teammate like that? Did I did I miss when he didn't have a teammate that could make an open shot? So, so you're going to throw Ron Harper in that conversation too then, right? Washed up Ron Harper. Wow. His knees were shot. You understand that Ron Harper is also a key to that success of that team too, right? With Ron Harper, Jordan, and Pippen, regardless. What I'm saying is, it's not like prime Ron Harper was on that team. Oh, it's like uh, 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 Glenn Rice was on the 2000 Lakers. That, that, that whole heck no. Nah. That is apples and oranges. Because I honestly feel like Glenn Rice. No, it's not. Glenn it's Rice not really, Glenn he Rice. didn't even stand out to me on that roster. Yeah, Shaq and Glenn Rice. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 Kobe and Shaq both. Average 30 plus. Anything outside of that is just, you know what? That's just the icing on the cake. Michael Jordan did not single-handedly do that. My point is, it's late career Ron Harper. It's not Ron Harper at his peak. But he was a starter. He was the starting point guard. And even if you look at those finals, Michael Jordan wasn't guarding the best players. You had Michael Jordan on uh, Hershey Hawkins and Detlef Shrimp and all of that. Ron Harper and Scottie Pippen were the ones guarding the guys who who were destined to score for the other team. Not always. He was guarding Byron Russell. I mean, I can't help that's who Utah put on the floor. So that's what I'm trying to say to people. It's like, oh my God, Jordan was the was lockdown defender. He doesn't even even the first championship. Magic Johnson was cooking him game one. Who did they have mm-hmm. to take off of him? Yeah, let's switch Pippen on to. And the rest is history after that. So that's why I'm saying, like, the way people tell LeBron, he's got to guard Durant in the finals. He's got to guard Kawhi in the finals. He's got to guard all these people to set this standard. Jordan didn't guard the best player every night. Never said he did. So that's that's my you point. You can't loop me in with everybody. Like, you keep saying everybody, <laughs> but it's me and you having the conversation. The, the the GOAT conversation is what we're trying to have. And and that's why I'm saying it's like when I say these things, people automatically just throw me in. He's a lunatic. Throw him out the throw him out the window. Like it's not even logical to some people. I think when you're talking about the greatest ever, I think LeBron could get there. I'm not I'm not gonna say LeBron couldn't be the best player ever when it's all said and done. Because his career is not over yet, and he's still playing at an incredibly high clip. So, but it to me, to me, it'll be a know it when you see it kind of thing. Know it when you see it. The man led like if I every. Him, if I had watched him engineer the Lakers to the title this year, 
fight for a really good Clippers team or something like that, then I'd be more willing to have the conversation. Like, Michael Jordan has never had to climb the hill that LeBron James has had to climb. Ever. Ever. Well, that's because once he got to the top of the hill, he just stayed there. No, that's because nobody else even remotely came close to competing for it because they physically couldn't. Physically. So let me ask you this. If Jordan was this all-world athlete compared to everybody he was playing against, how do you even know how athletic he was if he was so much more athletic than everybody else? Because we have two eyes and we can see. So how do you know he wouldn't be more athletic than people today? You don't know because you haven't watched him play against him. Oh, my God. Are you... For... We're looking at Zion. Juice. Juice, are you still listening? He's still listening. We watched Zion set the record for the highest vertical jump in Duke history, and the kid weighs 700 pounds. Michael Jordan is... Danny Ferry and Christian Leitner, notorious high risers. (laughs) J.J. Redick, always known to scrape the top of the backboard. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is that what Jordan was doing then, kids are doing. I'm watching high school kids now here in the city do things that I've never seen high school kids. You wouldn't even think high school kids would even be able to do that. Like, yeah, I've always thought that elite athletes push themselves to the limits that they're able to see. And I think that's what Jordan did. I think that's what LeBron's done. I think in 2040, me and you might still be respectfully disagreeing <laughs> on two completely different people. Jordan just pushed to get his shot off. Exactly. So, so real quick before we get out of here, because we, we're going to wrap it up. So I'm going I'm to take it here. Now, in my opinion, if LeBron James touches 40,000 career points, 10,000 career rebounds, and 10,000 career assists, that hands down, will be by far the greatest accomplishment that anybody could ever possibly achieve. I don't care about championship rings. I'm listening. All right. What is it an accomplishment of, though? Yes, it's a testament to his skill, but it's also a testament to his durability, which is a skill. Durability is a skill. It's not, it's one that you're born with to an extent. Uh, Like the things LeBron does to take care of his body and maintain this durability. Do you think Jordan wouldn't be doing the same thing today? Jordan was smoking cigars. He was smoking cigars. You took the words out of my mouth. He's smoking cigars, staying up in the casinos all night. That's, that's, you don't penalize LeBron for that. Nobody told Jordan to do that. No, I'm not saying penalize him for it. I'm just saying back then that's what you did. So what I'm so now what you do is take care of your body. So the reason why I bring that up is because at the end of the day, basketball is a team sport. Yes. But when it comes down to having the greatest of all time conversation, in my opinion, you set that criteria based on what the individual done throughout their career. So if I line my numbers up next to anybody else that played the same game that I done and nobody else done what I done, how can you say anybody is better than me? Is that a rhetorical question? I mean, I'll leave it up to you if you want to answer it or not. That's fine. But I'm saying that there's no argument for that. If you take 10 people and we all take a test 
And at the end of this, we look at all the numbers and I'm the only person that scored 100 on the test. That makes me the best in the room, does it not? Yeah, but you're not talking about scoring 100 on the test. <laughs> Here's the thing. If I get to take the test 15 times and you get to take the test 25 times, you're going to have a higher average than me because you got to take the test 10 more times. That's not you're true at all. You're going to have a higher total Okay, you'll have a t higher total accumulation of points. If we each make 100 and I take the test 15 times, I'm going to have 150 points. If you take the test 20 times, you're going to have 200 points. There's nothing I can do about the fact that I only got to take the test 15 times. I, I get At what you're saying. Played, I get what you're saying, and that, that makes perfect sense. Played, I guarantee you if he had known this was going to be an issue, he probably wouldn't have played baseball. But he, he did know because at the end of the day, Kareem still has 38,000 points. That bar was already set. So what I'm saying to you is that you make a valid point. He was already universally recognized as the best ever. He didn't have any bars left to climb. You make a valid point, but here's my thing. LeBron James surpassed Michael Jordan in points on less shot attempts. So you don't get to say longevity is the reason why he has more points. He took more shots than LeBron James in less time. I mean, yeah, he's putting up shots. That's what he's got to do. So at that's the end right. of the day, so if at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, and LeBron James finishes with how many ever career points, you can't say, oh, well, longevity is the reason why he done it. No. Sure you can. Because I don't think I don't think LeBron has it in him to go up and get that many shots up every night. Which he makes him ten in. times better. If if I got a guy who's a career, he's he averages what, 27? Jordan averaged 30, LeBron averages 27, and he takes less shots. That in its own self yeah, shows me that LeBron, LeBron is the LeBron better is, player. I don't know when he's going to score eight in a playoff game. Look. But what I know is when I'm playing Jordan in the finals, he's going to get 20 because he did it every time. So let me ask you this. And after this, like I said, we'll, we'll wrap it up. I got one more question I want to ask you, and then we'll wrap it up. Actually, take it live back, too, because this is a side note right here. If you're going to bring up the Dallas Mavericks series and how LeBron shrank, and I agree, he shrank. If you let J.J. Barea guard you and you don't take advantage of that, that to me screams something is wrong. So granted, I'll give you, LeBron James doesn't have a killer instinct. He doesn't. And I'm, I have my own built-up excuse. I have my own built-up excuse for why that is. This may sound biased, but I'm saying to you, in your opinion, would you think growing up as an only child, would that not have an influence on that? I mean, it could. I, that, that's a question for a psychologist. I, I <laughs> so look, let me let me let me dive a little bit deeper. The reason why I bring that up is because I watched Come Fly with Me the other day, and you heard the stories about how Michael and his brother Larry would always be out in the backyard playing. And Larry would always beat him till finally Michael Jordan said in his mind, whatever, you're not going to beat me no more. And after he finally beat his brother, he never lost to him again. You hear all those stories. You hear about Kobe growing up with his dad in Italy and he was playing against professionals at an early age and he learned how to develop this instinct. But then you have... No. I think he's got like okay. sisters or something. I don't, I, as far as his background, I'm not sure. But I'm saying I've read the stories where at 
10, 11 years old, Kobe Bryant was playing against grown men because his father was a professional athlete. He was exposed to that environment to where he had those challenges to push him. Now, on the flip side, I'm looking at a kid who's growing up in a single parent household. His mother's a drug addict. They're from house to house, that to this and here and there. I feel like, in my opinion, LeBron James has always been a buddy, buddy, be my friend guy because he's always been seeking that. So when you look at his career, he doesn't have that instinct because his whole life he's always been searching for friendship and buddy, buddy. That's the difference between him, Kobe, and MJ, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think to me, that's just a mentality that you're born with. I don't think whether or not he had brothers like, I don't think Michael Jordan cares if people like him. I think LeBron James probably does. So that's the psyche. And that that's what I'm saying. The whole, like, I'll even go back to him getting cut from his JV, from varsity. Something made him strive to push to say, you know what? I'm never going to get cut again. LeBron James was an NBA play, NBA ready player as a junior in high school. He never had to yeah. climb that hurdle to say, you know what? I'm never going to taste defeat again. They won three out of four state championships. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the obstacles they faced growing up were different. Jordans were more trivial, I guess you would say. Kobe's airballs in Utah. I feel like that was what made Kobe Bryant who he became to be. Those airballs in Utah. Yeah, now see, let me ask you this, though. If LeBron has the same airballs in Utah at that age, what do you think happens to him? You think he bounces back? He has no choice to because he he's always had the keys to the car. He got swept by San Antonio. That, to me, is just as embarrassing as the airballs. Oh, I don't think so. You can't put Spurs loss all on him. An airball, you can put all on one person because you airballed the shot. Yeah. Especially if you do it twice. You know, he did it four times. <laughs> he did it four <laughs> times. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, in my opinion, again, and I know it may sound biased. It may sound like I'm making up these excuses for him. But again, that's just my opinion. And that's me trying to dig deep into some kind of psyche, like you said. But I'm saying that when I look at LeBron, in my opinion, I see a child that's wanting acceptance. Whereas Kobe and Mike, like you said, they didn't give a rat's ass who liked them and who didn't. They were going to shoot the ball, make or miss. Nobody cared. So that's what separates them. I give you that. LeBron doesn't have the same killer instinct that Kobe and Mike had. But again, I honestly feel like childhood is plays a huge factor in that, in the obstacles that they had to overcome to get to that point. But yeah. we'll wait and save this for 2040. You said 2040? <laughs> You said 2040. Yes, sir. All right. This is the old uh, alien question. If a team of aliens came down to play us in basketball, and you could have anybody in their prime to start your team with, do you pick Jordan or LeBron? And they're both in their prime. They're both in their prime, but the fate of the world hangs on whether or not you win this game. You lose, you're going to die. You, everyone you know, go Independence Day style. And don't use the historical documentary Space Jam as an example. <laughs> well, I'm taking LeBron James, and I know that I'm not going to work on Moron Mountain. 
And I'm well. I tell you what, you better you better take some. You better get Paul Pierce on your team too. That somebody's <laughs> got stones to take a shot, just in case the aliens are good. Oh my gosh! At the end of the day, man, it's like you said. It comes down to personal preference, and like you said, you you like the scores. You like the guys who are willing to take that shot, regardless of how many people is on them. That's what you want to see. And I'm telling you that for me, I miss the X's and O's of basketball. I want to see strategic. I want to see strategy. I want to see intellectual on the basketball court. And I feel like that's what where... Kick off is what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I made my mistake at last year. <laughs> Good old pick offense. Y'all doing them tests earlier. Who's great, Mr. Tally? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tally, oh wow. But it's like like all jokes aside, and then we can close it out out of here, man. Good conversation. Like, that's the part that I respect about LeBron. Because even if you look at what he's doing right now with the Lakers, for him to run point guard, still average. His career numbers of 25 or 26 a night and still give you 10 assists, that to me shows that he can adapt to any style of play. He doesn't have to be that give me the ball and move out of the way guy. He can still give you the same amount of points and set everybody else up at the same time. That's what I like to watch. I don't want to watch James Harden dribble, 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 shoot, come down, dribble, 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 shoot. And then when you have a 15-point lead, in the Western Conference Finals, and you keep shooting threes because you don't have the intellect to say, you know what, I'm going to control the clock. I'm going to make the smart plays. I'm going to build on this lead instead of watch it get chipped away. I don't want to see that. That's why my favorite version of Jordan, just to kind of put a bow on all this, is the 95-96 Bulls because – that's when he really had the most cerebral part to his game. That's when he added in the fadeaway. You know, he played a lot more physical. Not not as athletic, but more physical. It, that's my favorite version of Jordan to watch. You know, he, he kind of failed in baseball, so he wasn't as hard on his teammates. I mean, he was still hard on them, <laughs> but And it's funny you say that, but go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going I'm, to I'm bring it back up, too. No, it was him. So it's like like even later in his career when he realized he wasn't going to jump over everybody anymore, and you're right, he was able to beat people with his mind. He could get to a spot, and he knew that regardless, one dribble, turn around, fade away, it was nothing that you were going to be able to do to stop it. He put himself in position to pick his opponent apart that way. So, yes, intellectually – that's where you give Michael Jordan that edge. So if you look at the same time frame, year 17, LeBron James is still able to use his strengths. He hasn't even got to that point to where he has to change his game to rely on something else. And that's why I'm saying that to me shows that he was the better player. Because no... Go ahead. There's a reason for that. I mean, number one, LeBron's never quit playing basketball. 
Jordan quit playing ba- uh, basketball and developed his body to play a completely different sport. We've all heard the rumors as to why that is, but we'll leave that undiscussed. We won't even touch on that. <laughs> We're not even going to touch hey, on that. That may be true. That may be true. I don't know. But anyway, completely built his body for a different sport and then rebuilt his body back for basketball. So, I mean, yeah, he had to change the way he played. But, I, you know, you look at LeBron year 17, he's the same age Jordan was in year, what, 12, 13? And still speaks to... Don't look at how many years we've been in the league. Look at how old they are. But that still... LeBron's the same age as us. You're right. And that, that, to me, is even more incredible because... We're talking about a guy that didn't make his varsity team versus a guy who was ready to play as a professional at the same age. So he was able to come into the NBA as a teenager and even as a grown 35-year-old man, he's still able to dominate at the same level. That, to me, is speaks for itself. But that's the part that people are not going to give him credit for. They're always going, six rings, six rings. Look. I can't help it. Michael Jordan won six rings. <laughs> you know, if you want people to quit saying that to you, number one, you could hang out with no people. Number two, you could, uh, you know, tell LeBron to win three more. And I'm, I'm going to leave you with this because this is something that I, I just heard last night, actually. Uh, Whoa, uh, what's his name? Woj works for ESPN. Oh, Woj bomb. His podcast, have you ever listened uh-huh. to it? Not really, no. No, I ain't listened to him. He had uh, Jerry Stackhouse on his podcast. Another Tar Heel uh-huh. great. Another Tar Heel That's great. Right. And the conversation was when Jerry Stackhouse came to Washington to play, and he ended up playing with Michael Jordan. And he was saying how he was frustrated because he felt like at that point in his career, he was better than Jordan. But because it was Michael Jordan, the Wizards still chose to play through Michael Jordan. That's probably true. And he was talking about how frustrating it was because he knew that every day in practice, he was he was the younger guy. He was the better player. And he felt like, some of that is the reason why his career never blossomed after he left Detroit. You should take a listen to that. And when I heard it last night, and I knew me and you were going to have this conversation, this podcast, I'm saying to myself, I again feel like that shows you who Michael Jordan really was. He was never going to give the keys to anybody else. Instead of him coming into the Wizards locker room and giving them his experience and his knowledge and contributing in whatever ways he could possibly contribute, he he wanted to be that guy, even at 40. You know what? And maybe that's why I like Jordan better, because I have that personality. I want to be in control <laughs> of everything. I, you know what? Now, I never really thought about it like that until just now, but that might be what I like the most about it. it is I have a very similar personality. I don't want to hand the keys over to anybody. I want to make sure I'm going to do it myself because I know it's going to get done right. But it didn't get done right. It didn't get done right at all. 
They sent Rip Hamilton to Detroit. They sent Rip Hamilton to Detroit. And again, the rest is history where you had. I've never, never claimed Jordan was a talent evaluator. We've seen better. We've seen better than I don't know, man. It's just like I don't, I don't know. Like I said, it's great conversation, man. Like I, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. And that's why I told you in the beginning. It's like we can have a conversation without arguing and shouting and doing this and doing that, and still get our point across. And that's why I wanted you to come on and do it because this topic sometimes it's like you'll never hear both sides clean because as soon as you say something. People just go so over the top to where now they're tuned out. Like you're not even trying to understand what I'm saying because you you think it's so over the top. But it's like I don't know. Like that that Stackhouse thing last night was just like to me the icing on the cake because I'm like you're 40. You know, like regardless of how big your Kahuna's are, we know what you've done. We know what your career is. You don't have to prove nothing else to anybody. But yet, instead of you building those guys up and showing that leadership, you rather go out here and try to score 50. Well, I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this. We haven't seen how gracefully LeBron's going to age yet. So we'll see. 2040. 2040. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in my calendar right now. You coming back on 2040. Got it. <laughs> I appreciate it, G. Right. Later, man. No competition. Amisha coasting. Yeah. I feel so high. I feel so live. My body's in the twine.